Alfred DeCosta, your host of the L4H podcast. I am reversing right now in my vehicle from my sister-in-law's house, having helped to take care of my son while I went to go pay my rent. And we are headed home right now. And this podcast is simply a reflection right after we had class. I sat down and recorded my thoughts on what we discussed. And so... um, If you would like credit for this podcast, I would ask that you listen to it, jot down the code in the Goals app, and respond with your thoughts. There may be holes in my research. There may be things that catch your attention. There may be things that come to mind. Bring up those questions. Bring up those thoughts. This is a safe space to share thoughts. So, talk to you later. Three. Why am I a Christian? Why am I an Adventist? I'm going to grab a piece of paper here and draw. Since I'm a visual person at some level... The first thing is the personal level. So I drew a picture of a man and I put a little heart in the middle because he has a heart. So in the heart is where a lot of things take place. Um, Decisions, whether moral or not moral, values. Uh, The Bible says that from the heart floweth the true intentions, feelings, motives of the man. And so the hard thing about the heart is that you cannot read the heart. And so God can read the heart. And so matters of the heart are left to God. So I'm drawing an arrow from the sky all the way down to the head of this little stick man with his little heart in the middle of his chest. And I'm drawing clouds for where the arrow came down and so there's that person only god can read the heart so how do humans navigate truth and the delivery of truth and making people aware of the truth well i gave a pretty easy answer and i said Love, you will know them by your love. And Tiffany brought up something really good because the definition of love, so I'll put a one circle around my stick man because there's the matters of the heart. The next circle is love. And that's the part that people can see. But what's the definition of love? There's self-love. There's you can love uh, same sex um, there's, I love this pasta bowl from Sinzetti's. Um, there are a lot of definitions of love. But then I said that you will know them by their love, but also love is others oriented. So what if, like the example in class that I try to kill someone to protect another person? Have I acted out of love? All of these things are case studies 
that are observed from the outside in. Because even then, <clears throat> we see we cannot read the motive of the heart. And sometimes even the heart of a man will make mistakes. So perhaps to my knowledge, I was doing the best that I could out of love. Um, there was a man that was violating a woman and I came in and shivved him in the throat. He bleeds out and he dies. And I get in trouble for that. The second circle layer I want to draw around the love circle is you can know that they are Christians by their denomination. So let's put Protestant as the second layer. You can draw this with me if you want, if you don't kind of visualize in your mind what I'm doing here. And in that Protestant bubble around the love bubble, which is around the little stick man bubble with his little heart in the middle that only God can read with the arrow coming down from the sky. The Protestant bubble has Lutherans. It has Baptists. It has all the Protestant denominations. The next layer I want to put on the outside of Protestantism is Catholicism because that's a, a church that many are acquainted with ourselves, especially because of this term, this category that hurts a lot of feelings when we refer to Catholics as the, the harlot, the harlot. And in class, we define the difference between a harlot versus an adulteress. When we saw that the nation of Israel were committing adultery and were able to make choices to come back from that. So we asked the question in class, then what's the difference between an adulteress and a harlot? And we agreed in class that the two are different because a harlot has committed Five. wholeheartedly to its lifestyle. Um, when you apply that to an institution and not the people, because that's not the same bubble, the bubble is, with people is in the center. And in the center is a stick man with a heart that only God can read. So in the, the Catholic bubble, which is just on the outside of the Protestant bubble, we have this adulterous relationship slash harlot relationship. And we agreed in class that a harlot in the context of religion, namely AKA Catholicism, is when you think to change times and laws and then circulate it and deceive others along with yourself. And we see that. We see an institution that has done that, that has taken the fourth commandment out completely, split either the tenth or the second one, and made it ten. Because they say they have the authority to do that. And do they? They don't. Have we ever taken uh, special rights to doing the things we believe or feel are right? We have. But when you have thought to make, to stand as the authority of God, 
and make decisions that are contrary to what he has clearly outlined. Now we we uh, enter into heresy. We enter into um, danger. The next level would be other religions. And that would be like your, the next bubble would be like Buddhism, which would be the closest, I think, to making it to one of the closer circles of the middle because they they will usually not be offended about Jesus at all. They'll just add him to their menagerie, their, their collection of gods and pick the one that better suits them. You have Muslims that, that acknowledge Christ, but say that he was a special prophet. And then you have um, other religions like um, Mormons, which are very, very nice people, but they have completely written their own um, gospel truth. And while it does make Jesus to be a very important um, personality, it, it deviates. And so the next bubble would be more of those who claim no belief system. Or perhaps, um, yeah, so no belief. That's, you know, you're entering into agnosticism. Um, or agnostics. Um, um, you have, um, what's the other one? Atheists. Things like that. And the next bubble outside of that are those are who are completely contrary against. Because the atheist and agnostic and some of the others, they don't, they aren't really um, intentionally contrary. They just don't believe or agree or subscribe. Whereas you have like your Satanists that are working they they wake up in the morning and they clock in and clock out with their main objective to dissimilate, dis, dissemble, I mean, dissemble, destroy um, the kingdom, the gates of hell. And so those are the, the different layers and right in the middle is us. And so we're trying to do our best to get the truth out there. And so at our best as Protestants, where we believe we are the true church. And I say we believe because my question in class today for homework was, if there are other Protestant churches that we agree have made Christ as the center, but perhaps don't have all of the beliefs in their fundamentals that we do, or even understand them as clearly as we do, why can't we just go to those churches. Why can't we just, and I'm not saying you can't go to those churches and visit and be with and have friends and family. In fact, it's zero. You're going to, especially if you have a family that not all are Adventists. But why not? So my big question is, what makes you an Adventist? What makes, 
Why, why be an Adventist? Why are you an Adventist altogether? And when you look at these different denominations and they all have their own beliefs, fundamental beliefs, and we have our own, we're making a statement so that for reference purpose, others can, can look and see what we believe in and decide whether or not they want to be a part of that. Others will go even further and look at those fundamental beliefs and line those up with, to see if those things line up with the Bible. So as we discussed in class, you have to ask yourself the question as you're on the quest towards truth. Why does, why do humans want truth? We don't like things that are hidden, that are not true about us or others. We want to know the reality that we are a part of, to be clear, authentic, and real. There's just something about us that, despite our brokenness, sinful nature, etc., that we like to know the truth. There are those of us still at certain times that are okay with living a lie because it it's to our benefit, you know, um, believe that so-and-so loves me when they really don't. Um, because of our insecurities, we will believe a lie or we'll settle for a lie because it's comfortable. Um, I'm a pastor here at Wichita South and I have an awesome group of young people and I enjoy the church family here and I've, my family's been going here for generations and I have a job and then all of a sudden I find out that we had it all wrong. And this is an example. Find out that, that we were doing goat sacrifices and didn't realize that, found that out later. Now you're faced with this choice, a conundrum. This is what a lot of people who are moving from other religions, like your friend Tiffany, who's moving from Catholicism, there's a reason why she's moving from here to there, but she has some reservations. So you have to ask yourself that question, why? And what's keeping me from moving that direction? So in back in the story of me, that, that example story of me being a part of this community, you know, when you're a part of community that works and the pieces all fit and you find the truth, you're faced with a choice. Well, do I leave my job? Do I leave my community? Do I leave my family? Do I leave all for the name of truth? Boy, now you're talking about difficult situation. And so now let's take that story and think about Tiffany's friend at a crossroads. What is it that motivates her to make the move? It could be facts, and that's okay, because facts, many of the time, if not most of the time, if not all of the time, will usually point us to truth. But your motivation for making a move has to be right as well. So 
in Catholicism, there's a lot of um, symbolism. The Eucharist is believed to be the literal blood and flesh of Christ that you're taking inside of you. And so when you take symbols and you add spiritual value to them, ceremonialism, I suppose, which can be found even in our own circles sometimes, then you become attached to the um, the vehicle. This was very much what happened back in the Bible when the, the priests made temple worship and the sacrifices and the different stations into... Six. A, um, a rite of passage. They made offering a rite of passage. They made um, holiness. They tied it to the symbol of the cleanliness of your hands and your feet and, and all of these things. So it became very outward. So then you're in, the, in this church... And you hear that it's not about all of these items that you have to navigate to gain salvation. Because being attached to the symbols naturally moves you into a routine of obtaining salvation by works. Perhaps your friend has identified that, Tiffany. And now wants out of that, realizes that salvation only comes by Christ. But then when you walk over the line, you see that you have reservations. One of the questions that Tiffany's friend had was, um, why is the canon of, of Catholicism so much bigger than the canon of Protestantism? And even in that argument, right away, we find the distinction between, well, if the more books you have, or if you have all the books, then you have all the truth. Whereas if you're making it based on who has the most truth in their book, you still run into error because there are comparisons in both canons that would cause someone to walk away from belief. And that's why the motive has to be centered around finding the door, finding the door. And that is the way, the truth and the life. And that is Jesus and acknowledging the very gospel that we've been doing in these verses every day, because we've got to get that in our head that there is one who came down to this earth, stepped into his own story, narrative, and performed the impossible by living the life that we could not live and accomplishing it on the cross through the weakest, most shameful device of the cross and taking our place in a very personal way. And when we accept that by faith, we get a special kind of endowment, the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables Christ to live in your heart, which is relevant to being able to walk a very moment-by-moment walk with God 
to be able to navigate the things that are not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. Like, how do I break up with my girlfriend? How do I deal with peer pressure? How do I deal with this or that? Then when you cross over into the Protestant side, if your motive is not seeking the way, the truth, and the life, or at least it doesn't become that, you come into arguments on the Protestant side where the distinction between works and grace and who's doing the work, is it Christ in me or is it, well, don't I have to do some of these things with my hands as well to accomplish them? Aren't there things that have to be done by me? Then you find inconsistencies in the Bible, and I don't mean in truth. I don't mean contradictions of truth. I simply mean in that, say, the account of Matthew that doesn't exactly uh, match the account of, say, Luke, where there was two demoniacs instead of one. I mean, that's just a, a very loose... There's, there's examples like that, at least, is what I'm trying to say. A lot of these discussions are very bird's-eye view, which involves a lot of toggling back and forth on on the Protestant side, on the, the Catholic side, a lot of um, theory, when truly what it comes down to, there comes a time when we have to put our pens and pencils, our commentaries, our Google search. Six. And we have to look the person straight in the eye and say, would you like to find out today? Let's study together. Let's seek him together. You're going to land better there than trying to negotiate facts. Because everybody has their own way of looking at truth. Everyone has their own way of, of describing it. Everyone has their own way of arriving there. Other people have different ways of um, teaching it, arguing it, whatever it is. There has to be a time where you make a decision to taste and see. And that's what Jesus says to us in all of this. Taste and see that I am good. And there's no way you can taste and see that he's good if we're talking about him. We have to engage him. So honestly... Tiffany, I would make this recommendation to you and and everybody in this class that after you're done hearing the, the person out for their reasons for wanting to be Catholic or, or Protestant, hearing their their um, reservations for why or why not they're they're willing to, um, which Bible is the right one which seems to be her concern 
engage her and say, why don't we taste and see it for ourselves? So it, so that moves you from the space of having to be the, 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 the source of knowledge. Because at the end of the day, someone else, there's always someone else who has more access to knowledge and can arrange facts and truth well enough to make a persuasive argument. Hear the person out, ask questions, talk to those who are wiser than you are, um, wiser than myself, pray about it especially, but engage the person in a Bible study and engage them in the one point you know is unfallible and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why our study in these verses are important. Because although we know the narrative and we've said it a thousand times, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it's when we engage the scriptures and apply the scriptures to our own lives that there's an unseen work that only God can do in that person. And the person isn't going to feel vibrations quaking within their chest or heaves of ecstasy as their eyes roll back in their head and they have an out-of-body experience and make a decision for Christ based on an, an emotional, physical, mental experience. It's that the spirit of truth is already at work in you, Tiffany, and everyone in the class, which is why she has reached out to you. And it behooves us, if we should want to, to engage her in a study. And not just a study of, of teaching her the fundamental beliefs, because those will come. But you cannot receive the fundamental beliefs until you fundamentally know Jesus. That's why this bubble here that we did at the beginning of this podcast began with a little stick man with his heart. And above the head of the little man with the heart is an arrow that comes straight down from the sky. And that is Jesus, that is God, who is revealing to you the testimony of Jesus. And so that unseen work has to be the, the, the foundation. She has to be humble enough to enter into it because a lot of people get lost in in the, um, the research and lost in the facts of this side and that side, the, this denomination and that denomination, this canon, that canon, and then they come to the gospel and the gospel looks silly in comparison. One. Because you already know that part. Well, yeah, I studied that. You learned that in Cradle Roll. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Absolutely we did. But remember what we said at the beginning of our class. Salvation has been revealed to babes. To those who... Children are usually the ones that are, are super humble and they're willing to taste and see. And that's what your friend is going to need. I would even recommend the 40 days to the cross. 
And a lot of these verses that we engage in class in applying those scriptures and asking the question, would you like to receive what this verse is offering? And then making a faith statement saying, thank you, God, that it's no longer up to me to figure out my salvation because this verse says that I have forgiveness according to the riches of your grace. And this verse says, I have redemption through your blood, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I encourage you, the whole class, I think about Abby as well, who mentioned her friend. Pray for one another. Pray for your friend. And consider doing a study that lifts up the cross because the Bible says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will do something. Draw, draw all men. So that takes the pressure off of us to draw them to Christ, to where now it's the Christ living in you that's doing the drawing. And it's not any special combination of words. Don't get me wrong, there are um, mental, mental gymnastics that have to be made. There are, there are old ways of thinking that have to be X'd out and new truths to be circled in the brain. And you'll be able to navigate those things through research. But making research the only method for helping someone to arrive at the center of this bubble that we keep talking about, the little stick man with his heart, is that we have to engage the one who knows all, is all, and gives all. So let me know what you think, class. Alfred DaCosta, your host of the L4H podcast, over now. Eight.